Hello and welcome to the Achieve Today podcast. My name is Jake Mix, and today we have a special guest, someone who has been with us for 18 years now, Mr. Gil McKiff. He's been a coach here, and Gil has an extraordinary ability ability to go deep into topics uh, such as mindfulness and limiting beliefs. I've had some great conversations with him. So, Gil, thank you so much for for coming down and making yeah, the time for this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me in. Yeah. Well, Excited absolutely. Well, and yeah, and so, you know, we were talking a little bit about uh, what we were going to, like, kind of the topic that we wanted to do, what would be relevant to our students, but then also anyone who's interested in Achieve today. Mm-hmm. And this topic of meditation came to mind. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to dive deep with this, kind of get the origin of meditation, uh, your your ideas and your thoughts about it, but then maybe some implementation, some ways that people can get meditating or get mm-hmm. started or improve their meditation. Yeah. So to get started, let's talk a little bit about your definition of meditation, because hmm. I feel like it's probably different than most. <laughs> so what are your thoughts about that? Uh, just give me your ideas. Yeah, we're going to jump down the rabbit hole. Um, That's okay. As long as I can stop you. Yes, please. When I'm confused. Please okay. do. Yeah. And when I'm coaching with a client, I tell them right off the bat, look, I talk a lot. So feel free to interrupt anytime, okay. and uh, and I do tend to go deep. So yeah, when we talk about um, meditation, if you're asking me what my um, perspective is towards yeah. meditation, it's uh, a practice by which we're giving ourselves an opportunity to have direct perception of the source of creation. Right. So mm-hmm. when I say direct perception, is right now visually I have direct perception of you. Right now you don't have any cologne on or foul odor so positive smell or negative smell so i don't smell you i visually see you but i have direct perception and it's coming through the visual faculty um you can't visually see the source of creation but you can see creation right so you can see the plants and the atmosphere or not the atmosphere but you know the the um the, the stars the planets the the galaxy the solar system you can see things but what is it that animates things and we would call it its source so for a person we would say that might be either consciousness or awareness or soul or spirit i was just talking with a client earlier today she says i call it universe i said so the way you refer to yourself as as the universe she said well as a piece of the universe okay so what's the difference between the whole and the part do they have different names and she said well self Okay, so the the whole is the universe, and the part is the self. So that's the fifth most common word. Consciousness, awareness, soul, spirit, self, with a capital S. Authentic nature. So to have direct perception of that, you can't see it, you can't hear it, smell it, taste it, or touch it. So you can't confirm it with your senses. Uh, But what can you confirm it with? And that's the only thing that's left, and that is awareness itself. I'm aware of awareness. I'm aware of it. So if you close your eyes and imagine the top of your house, looking down at the top of your house, you can imagine that, no problem. And if you imagine the roof came off and you were seeing all the stuff in your house, you can imagine that, no problem. And then if the house disappeared and you had this plot of land, no problem, you can imagine that. And you can even say, I am aware of that, right? I'm aware of the plot of land. And then the whole earth disappears, you're floating in space. I am aware of space. Right? I'm aware of those stars. And let's say all the stars went out and it was just blackness and empty space. You could say, I'm aware of the blackness of empty space. No problem. But what you can't do is take awareness away. Right? That's without the awareness, what is? There, there's, I mean, 
you, you can't conceive of it. So when you take that awareness that you are, that can perceive things with the senses, but also with awareness itself, direct perception, and turn it in on itself and have awareness watching awareness, it's been in, said in many circles, this is the fastest way to the ultimate truth is awareness watching awareness. So meditation is a practice by which you give yourself the opportunity to have that experience because it's just not very likely you're going to have that experience when you're in your day-to-day -day busy stuff, right? When you're um, engaged in sensory experience, you know, seeing things, doing things, having things, getting things, wanting things, living your life, your relationships, your responsibilities, all this busyness is keeping you, uh, your attention fixed on the world. And so when you go into your meditative experience, it's to kind of go behind the world, right? In Christianity, there's the phrase, I am in this world, but not of it. Mm -hmm. That's the truth of the soul that you are. You are in this world, but not of it. Um, you are in this body, but not of this body. So to have that experience, that's what I think of as meditation. So direct perception of the source, direct perception of God, to know God, um, it's in that arena. Hmm. That's what I think about that's yeah. my point of view with it. Yeah, yeah, which makes which makes a lot of sense, uh, and actually mm -hmm. makes it a little simpler to grasp, I believe. Now, from what I've understood, uh, meditation is especially in the states have, has gotten pretty big, and and from what I see it, it's now I might be looking at it wrong, but it's it seemed like a temporary a temporary fix for some of this anxiety and stress that you're feeling every mm -hmm. day but you're saying it's it's a real way to connect to a higher power uh, to connect to the creativity like how does someone first off what are what are some of the things that you're seeing maybe in the states as far as meditation that they're getting wrong maybe wrong's not the the, the right what response. are they missing yeah what are they missing yeah. yeah. What are they missing? People tend to use meditation as a means to get somewhere. Yeah, that's exactly what I felt. Yeah. To get something to yeah. you know improve their health and and there's there's meditations for these practices, um, which there I mean there's all kinds of different types of meditations, right? You could have a guided meditation. You could have a mantra meditation. Um, the transcendental meditation movement, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi in the 50s and 60s was teaching TM and TM got really big and essentially it was a mantra meditation where you were given the specific sound to repeat as a way to catalyze your own awakening from the mind body ego into you know the truth would that would that mantra be <clears throat> personal or would it be kind of a, it would be personal okay yeah so, they, so the, those that receive a mantra from a from a guru are advised not to share it with anybody oh okay so very personal very private. personal yeah. yeah it's kind of like in some religions you have an alternative name and you don't share that name yeah, yeah? yep um so there's some things that are just that sake and it's not that it's um needs to be private it's just it needs to be protected like um yeah. lord of the rings keep it secret keep it safe what is it the greatest power that anybody knows of, right? Keep it secret, keep it safe. Yeah. So don't cast the pearls before the orcs, right? <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> so, but yeah, people tend to use um, the power that's accessed in meditation for an egoic means, meaning something that I desire, something that I want, and yeah. that usually is towards greater pleasure and less pain. Right. So mm. using it to get what I want. So the question is, who's the one meditating? 
right? Who's the one meditating? If it's the ego meditating, it's for an egoic reason. Even if it's a philanthropic egoic reason, I want to be known for helping all these people. All right. I feel good only when I'm helping people. I don't feel good when I'm helping people. That's egoic, right? And egoic doesn't necessarily, you know, mean exclusively self-serving and, and selfish, right? Because a lot of people have egoic serving of other people, meaning, again, they, they don't feel good unless they're helping other people. But are they doing it to help other people or are they doing it to feel good, mm. right? So yeah. it's it's on the line. But better health, improve my finances. You know, there's a guided meditation for everything. And the ultimate, the top of the ladder with meditation is, but who's the one doing it? And so Hmm. that's realizing that I am not separate from the source. So if I'm not separate from the source of creation, then the source of me, my source is the source of creation. Maybe not in whole, But Rumi said, you're not a drop in the ocean. You're the entire ocean in a drop. So if we look at the soul, the soul is spirit reflected in the mind body. So it's an individuated piece of the source, an individuated piece of the source. Like the sunbeam is the sun. It's just an individuated piece, right? What is its source? It's the sun. Is the sunbeam the sun? Ultimately, yes. So what if the sunbeam remembers its source as the sun? Now it takes that power with it, right? And those that have done that, remembered the source, we call that enlightenment, right? And the, the words Jesus gave to it were, I and the Father are one, or I am he is the, the final stage. In the Vedic tradition or the Hindu tradition, you have in the yogic tradition, you have nirvikalpa and savikalpa, samadhi, which is the eighth limb of yoga. By the way, meditation is the seventh limb of yoga. There's eight limbs. And the final limb is what Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Samadhi, you are in that state. You know. You've merged the individuated separate self back into the authentic self, or you've let go of the separate self and realized and awoken to the truth that you have never been separate. And that you are that. And in that state, it's it's an enlightened state. And this is like mastery over forces of nature. right? And the wow. ego says, I want to get that. Right? Yeah. I want to have mastery over the forces of nature. <laughs> yeah. Now, so I lost you there. The, the seventh, you said seventh limb or eighth limb? Yes, the eighth Can limb. explain that a little bit more? Yeah, there's eight limbs of yoga. And yoga okay. is a science, not a religion. And it's a science okay. of reunifying the ego back into the soul. And then okay. reunifying the soul back into its source, which you could call either spirit or God. Okay. So it's um, a science of how to know God. A science, right? Meaning it's got a methodology that if you practice it accurately, you should expect results. Hmm. Right? So you do these things, you will get these results. The yeah. scientific method. That's proven, yeah. And in yoga, there's four major branches of yoga, four different kinds of yoga. There's... Um, uh, jnana yoga, which is a path of wisdom. And that path is really called the direct path. It's instead of progressively getting there, it's what am I? Right? Let's just go straight to the source right now. What am I? What am I? What am I? And behind that, what am I? And cultivating the realization that's jnana yoga. And then there's raja yoga, which is royal royal yoga it's the type of yoga that in my understanding i'm not the expert on this stuff this is my understanding is raja yoga was the type of yoga that was taught to royalty right so if you're let's say a king 
but you're not a spiritual guru. And so who do you bring into your court? The wisest man in the land, right? And you want to know what they know to the best of your ability. That man's job is to teach you, or that woman's job, and I think most cases it was men, that that man's job was to teach royalty how to know the truth, right? The ultimate truth. So it had to be a reliable system. And this is where we get Patanjali's eight limbs of yoga. So these eight limbs of yoga, and so we won't go into the other two. It's just, it's um, um, karma yoga and, um, and uh, oh, what's the other one? Uh, it's the devotion, uh, bhakti, bhakti yoga. So bhakti is praise and devotion. Karma yoga is yoga of action um, or yoga of um, yeah, div- bringing God into everything you do, essentially. Um, what goes around comes around. Karma, right? Karma yoga. So this eight limbs of yoga in royal yoga, this is your systematic means of realizing the truth. And again, meditation is the seventh limb. So this is... The, let's just go through them. The, er, med- meditation is the seventh. There's eight limbs. The first two limbs are yamas and niyamas. These are like your Ten Commandments in the Vedic tradition. So don't do these things, do these things. So those first two limbs, yamas and niyamas, are taking ownership over your mind. Um, Buddha said... Um, now, now, sorry, is this under the structure of the, the yoga? Because you said there's four, there's four different types of yoga. Mm-hmm. And you went into the first two. Gana and Raja. Raja. So is this under Raja? This is under Raja, yeah. Okay, and then there's eight limbs. Yes, and Okay, Raja. cool. Good. I just want some context there. Okay. Thank you. It's yeah. easy to get lost in there. <laughs> yeah, stuff. <clears throat> and, and again, I'm not the expert on the subject. I'm passionate about the subject. And sure. So I'm sharing to the best of my understanding. So those of you that know more about this, um, you can see where I'm on track and where I'm kind of getting a little distracted. But... Um, not claiming authority on the subject, but elaborating it to the best of my understanding. Yeah. Uh, within this Raja Yoga is the science of how to realize the ultimate truth. How so to know. things? So kind of things you can do, or things that's under that structure. A progressive path. I love yeah, it. Do okay. these things, then you can go to these things and these things. So the first two limbs are yeah. taking ownership over your mind. Okay. And that's so much of what we do here, right? Finding and clearing limiting beliefs. Um, Acting as if, creative visualization, right? Feeding what you want from the inside out, vibrational alignment. Yep. Um, this is getting your mind right. So when we get our mind right, that's not going to distract us. Like if you um, harm somebody and you know it, there's an element inside of you of guilt or maybe even shame because you've done something that's harmed somebody else. So the penalty yeah. is not you know, a punishment from God, it's the, the, the sin itself is in the experience. So it's not, you know, because you did that, now here's your penalty. It's if you do this, you're going to have some residual stuff going on in your mind called resentment, regret, judgment, blame, shame, guilt, regret, humiliation, whatever, negative emotion. And that's going to interfere with you realizing the truth. So take ownership over the mind. Do these things. Don't do these things with the mind. Mental adherence, mental um, a mental restraint with the yamas and niyamas. Then we get the asanas, what most people think of with yoga, right? The body postures. And this is taking ownership over your body. If you're going to meditate for a lengthy amount of time, most people are going to get at some point distracted by, oh my gosh, my knee or my back, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's where soul consciousness is drawn back into the body. It's a distraction from going to the source. So we want to get the body to the place where it can be still for a lengthy amount of time. And this is also getting you over um, 
uh, it's getting you over getting you over it's pacifying um, laziness or laziness or slothfulness right so it's getting that out of the way I'm taking ownership over the body it's my body I'm getting into this and the benefit of that again is I can have a quiet body for a lengthy amount of time in a meditation but it's also opening up the channels in the body that allow this electric energy this electric well i don't even know if it's electric it's spiritual energy that flows through your system and if it if there's a kink in the hose the energy the water can't flow very well so with the body systems it's the right geometries in the body the right flow in the body that can sustain the current that's going to be opened up when you get all the way to the end if there's a problem there it's going to prevent you from getting all the way to the end right it's going to slow you down so taking ownership over the mind taking ownership over the body that's the first three yamas niyamas and then um, asanas then there's what's known as pranayama and that's taking ownership over the life force energy so sometimes known as prana sometimes known as chi sometimes known as um, vital force this uh, source energy in the body taking ownership over that it can be done with breathing practices so every guided meditation you've ever heard has always started with let's go ahead and take a deep breath yeah right or if we wanted to change the quality of our consciousness we could breathe dif- this way or that way but you can access different states of consciousness with the breath and what you're doing is manipulating Uh, this vital energy in the body so when you take ownership over that there's a science to that what to do with that but the next step is now internalizing your senses it's called pratyahara so internalizing your senses is you know again christianity the kingdom of heaven is within what if you could see it that would be a big benefit right Mm -hmm. what if you could close your eyes and actually see it or what if you could actually hear it right you'd know you're close right so pratyahara is learning to uh, reverse the current of your nervous system from registering the outside to now register the inside when you start going into the starting to go into the source and you can actually hear the source and it has seven different sounds that uh, you know we've heard of the ohm right the ohm yeah, is the yeah. one sound in the beginning was the word uh, the total range of vibration from the back of your throat to the tip of your lips all so it's all sound all creation it's all possibilities and all letters and all vowels and all all words can come from these sounds and it's the total range all in one word so we can hear that source that sound in science in in physics we have the cosmic background radiation right the sound of the big bang it's like that spiritually the source the sound of the source and if you're spiritual or religious you would say it's the sound of god what if you could actually hear if you believe in god what if you could hear god's voice how would that feel that's what happens when you start internalizing your senses you start to see you start to hear and everybody's closed their eyes and see, seen things before that's what a dream is right yeah and you know that's what creative visualization is close your eyes and imagine yeah. i can see or put your fingers up to your eyes and give a slight pressure with your eyes closed and now all of a sudden oh i see some blue mm. um, blotchy color and it's starting to change and morph into like whatever you know you can see yeah. with your eyes closed so if you can practice and cultivate a science of this, which is taught in this science of Pratyahara, learn how to see inward, learn how to hear inward. Um, and again, you've already taken ownership over the mind and the body and the life force energy. Now you're going inward. Then the sixth step is called um, dharana. And dharana is where we have guided meditations. Dharana is concentration, single pointed attention on one thing. So if I have you in a guided meditation and I say, now bring your awareness into your heart. 
right? Your attention is now going to your heart. It's going on to one thing, what I'm guiding you to. And this is what guided meditation is, is directing your attention from place to place to place to place. But with all of that energy that you freed up from all of the distractions of the mind and the body, all of that freed up energy and the single pointed attention now is a skill, you're now focusing in on the source. And this comes meditation, seven. Seventh step, all of your focus is on the source inward. Right, going in towards the kingdom of heaven, in within, towards the soul, towards the consciousness. What is that? What is this I that I am? What is this awareness that I am? Observing it, awareness in a trained process that's been refined for five thousand years at least. Right, this is this is a science, yeah. and and it's so huge, but it's so mind blowing that most people are going to say, I don't have time for that. Right unless they really recognize the potential of what's there. And they'll, if they do, if anybody realizes the potential of what's in the meditative path or the yogic path, they'll realize it's not a contradiction to any religion. It's yeah. a compliment. So you can cultivate this path while staying with your own religion, with your own belief system. But what you're doing is moving beyond the mind of belief and you're moving into the direct perception of, of awareness or soul. And so once mm. you recognize the source of the soul, again, now... You're not separate. Again, the sunbeam's not separate from the sun. What if the sunbeam looks back down the channel towards the sun and sees the core of the sun while it is the sunbeam and recognizes I am that? Right now, where does the center of awareness go? It doesn't go from here, I'm individual and separate. It goes back to the source, I am the source. And that's what samadhi is, the eighth step. So this is a science, a royal science, and in seventh is meditation. I don't know what your original question was. <laughs> that, that was amazing. But yeah, that's... Well, and it, and it gave a lot more context. You know, actually, you explaining that gave gave a lot of understanding. Cool. Um, and now I do have some questions with it, though, because, okay. you know, you say it's this journey, and it sounds like you got to put in quite a bit of work to even get to that true meditative... Uh, state where you're where you're connecting with the source. Mm-hmm. So, like, how does one do do that? Does it take years of practice, or you know, like, what's the process that you have to go through? Yeah, to get to that state. The path of bhakti, the path of karma yoga, bhakti yoga, karma yoga, and raja yoga. These are all, from my understanding, known as progressive paths. So I have to do these things to get better, to have these experiences, and I can get there and get better at it and get there and get better at it. Um, The jnana yoga, the path of wisdom, is um, I can get there now. And the only thing that prevents me from getting there now is my belief that that's not realistic, right? So the mind, the identified state. Um, we could say, and traditions would say, well, your past karma, these are your attachments and your aversions, what you want and don't want, your desires, your unfulfilled desires create this agitated mind, this busy mind. You can't get there with a busy mind. Well, whose mind is it? Hmm. What am I? That's my mind. That's my busy mind. So the direct path is really appealing for a lot of people, but they say those in the advanced circles of the direct path say you get there faster and then you can go and address all that other stuff, but you're still going to have to address it. Sure. Right. Yeah. But for me, I, it's really attractive to me because it makes sense that I am soul spirit. And if I know that, then I'm awakened, enlightened. And it's not an agenda for me. It's just logic to me that that's what it is. And 
we should all know. I mean, is it more miraculous to think that you could remember God or that you could forget God if mm. you believe in God? Mm. Isn't it miraculous to consider that you are a piece of God and you forgot? Yeah. How could that possibly happen? <laughs> right? But if you are, again, spiritual religious, you believe in God, it doesn't seem like it's too much of a stretch to consider you could remember that. Yeah. Right? Anybody who says, I have a soul, should be able to do this, right? Because you don't have a soul. You are the soul. You should be able to remember that. You should be able to have direct perception of that. And so the progressive path is, uh, what I think what we are as an organization is in between those two paths, right? Because we're cultivating this type of a dialogue, I am at least, with the clients. Yeah. But at the same time saying, well, here's what we need to do to start cleaning up along the way. This program is not teaching you how to transcend your ego and how to, cu- how to cultivate enlightenment. Yet we talk about the three-step process that I wrote, module one, is for the purpose of transcending ego, right? It's a catalyst to awakening, but it's module one. We need to address cause. And now also in module one is this, and we have two, three, four, five in the rest of the curriculum, right? Where most of that is how do you get your mind right? How do you clear those limiting beliefs that are in the way? So meditation being step seven of eight, a lot of people want to start there. Yeah. And they can, right? Because it's all over YouTube. (laughs) Right. But what are they really doing? It's the ego that's still doing it. And the ego is, again, the two distinctions of ego, the the primary hallmark characteristics of ego are identifying with and clinging to pleasure. We call it attachment. And so your cocky, arrogant person is just really inflated in that direction. Right. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've got. All these good things like my new truck, my new job, my new house, my whatever. Look at me. Look at me. Identifying with and clinging to pleasure. And if they don't have enough of it now, they go to the past. You know how many touchdowns I threw in high school, right? Mm. That kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, more, the other one is identifying with and clinging to pain. And this is where we have limiting beliefs, right? A limiting yeah. belief is born out of a painful experience, right? Could it be um, a sad experience. It could have been a, um, a grief experience. It could have been an anger experience. But limiting beliefs are born out of these painful experiences. And so when I'm going to go work on that, this is I'm working on aversion itself. So attachment and aversion, identifying with and clinging to pleasure, identifying with and clinging to pain, this is the soul. So it's powering this story and sustaining this story and developing an identity out of this. This isn't me. Well, actually, it is me as an ego, but it's not the I, it's not the self. So when I step back and I look at that, I can change these things, right? I can get what I want. The biggest liability to getting from where I am to where I want to be is being more identified with where I am than where I want to be. <laughs> and it's easy to be identified with where I am because this is real, right? Yeah. I know what's in my bank account. I know where I work. I know what's wrong with my car, whatever. So again, I digress. Tangents. <laughs> no, I, well, and it all makes sense. Uh, from a very high level, at least, <laughs> and I can and I can see where it all comes together. Now, here's a question for you. Let's say someone's watching this, mm-hmm. and you know they're seeing all this. They're they're trying to gather all this information. What do they do with this information? Right? Do they go and do they start a practice of meditation, mm-hmm. or would there be a precursor to that, like you've kind of been talking about? You know, both is good. You know, it's good to just jump in and get started because ultimately you have some internal guidance that's going to say, you know what, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. This guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) And this one, that's a bit frou-frou, you know, it's a little bit out there for me. And so we might slowly find the one that we like. 
Right. right? And when we find the one that we like, um, it's much more powerful to make a habit out of meditating than to meditate for two hours once a week. Right, so if I have this daily habit, if I get into a substandard meditation that I purchased online, you know, and it's, you know, it's good. I like it. It's worth it. I paid good money for it. It's worth it. I'm having this great experience. Yeah. Well, eventually I'm going to see that I've got an attachment to this experience and I'm going to realize it's only taking me so far. Right. It's, it's a nice experience. I like it. And now I have my meditation. Right. I've been through this. I had my meditation, but I realized I didn't have what this guru has. And mm. so I really like this guru. I really love and respect this guru. Oh my gosh, I've read about this guru and it's just mind blowing, incredible. Wow. I want to do what he's doing, right? And so here's my ego learning about this meditation and it seems really elementary to me, to mm. my ego. It seems really elementary to my ego yeah. because I feel like I'm going backward to do this meditation. And I like my meditation. Well, I don't really need to do that meditation. I'm going to put that on the shelf for a while and I never go. Mm. And then at some point, you know what? How can I do it? And now it's this ego battle. Eventually what we're going to be doing is surrendering the, the mind-body-ego, right? The attachments, the my way. That, that's a hallmark of ego. It's mine. That it, if anybody says mine, that might as well be saying that's egos. Hmm. Right? My is possessive. Ego is possessive. Because the soul consciousness that you are, it doesn't claim things. It is. Right? It doesn't yeah. need to add. To, what, what do you need to add to love? <laughs> what do you need to add to peace and joy? You're there, right? Yeah. You're fulfilled, free and empowered, loving, peaceful, joyful as the soul right now, always have been and always will be. What do you want? Nothing. So the ego says, well, that sounds boring. But then if you really think about it, love, peace, joy, fulfillment, freedom and empowerment. Is that boring? You're free to do whatever you yeah. choose to do, but you're not dependent on the outcome. So where can somebody begin? Start somewhere. But if you want to get a little bit of background, <clears throat> um, many people have heard about Deepak Chopra. Um, yeah. He's been one of the biggest influential people of the 20th century in spirituality, top 100. And way back for me, he was a big influence for me. And not long ago, maybe five years ago or so, I discovered that in the Chopra Center, where they teach a lot of this kind of stuff, their handbook is the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. So Patanjali is um, uh, credited as the author of these eight limbs of yoga. Okay. And much like the Dread Pirate Roberts in Princess Bride, is it really the Dread Pirate Roberts? Or did he assume the role from the previous? And did he assume the role from the previous? It's not really clear who Patanjali is. Okay. Is it a recurring character? Is it somebody who's taken the throne, taken the, the wisdom? Or is it an actual individual? Um, but he gave us these yoga sutras. Um, and sutra means like suture, a thread, and yoga meaning union. So they're wisdom threads that tie us back mm. to the truth, the yoga sutras. And there's uh, the book that the Deepak or that, that the Chopra Center uses, um, the specific translation of I understand what they use is the translation from Alastair Shearer. There's a lot of translations of this book. But I like this translation from Alastair Shearer because the first 89 pages of the book give you the context. Kind of like I'm trying to give you the context of the different paths of yoga and the significance of where meditation falls in. Um, this Alastair Shearer gives a great context for all of this and then starts the Yoga Sutras. 
So um, that's a great book to get more understanding about the 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 context, the content, the step by step methodology. Um, but begin your meditative practice. It's wise to begin if it's if your meditation is less than twenty minutes. It's not much of a meditation. Mm. And, and a lot of people say, and that's okay. We'll just start with 10. That's fine. Yeah, that's true. Start. Get into the habit. But it's arguable to, if, you can, if you can actually call it a meditation or not, less than 20 minutes. And so when we sit down and meditate, let's not expect to get anywhere. Right? If we're trying to get somewhere, we're thinking about it. And if we're thinking about it, then we're constantly evaluating, is it working? Is it working? Is it working? Am I not thinking so much? Am I, not thinking, am I thinking less now? Right. So don't worry about getting anywhere. Right. Follow some qualified guidance. And in the beginning, it's very easy to, for people to learn meditation by following a guided meditation, a dharana. Yeah. Right. So you tell me. I'm going to just sit back and listen. All right. Great. And I have a great experience. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It's a great way to begin. But it's wise to do it every day. And it's wise to do it first thing in the morning uh, and do it every single day at the same time of day. Because like getting hungry at the same time of day, roughly, and like getting tired at the same time of day, roughly, you can entrain your system to expect this experience at the same time of day every day. Mm. So you start to get familiar with that space, you create the space for it. If you have the ability, it's wise to have that dedicated space in your house, right? So it becomes like sacred space in your house. Sure. And it starts to get uh, populated with a feel, the quality of energy. Like if somebody walks into a temple of any religion, a temple that's dedicated space, m many people claim, oh, you can feel the spirit when you walk into the temple. And whether it's a church or a temple or a holy place, you can set up that space in your house by dedicating a sacred space. If you can't, you can't. But if you can, cool. But same day, same time of day every day, usually first thing in the morning is best. Um, and shoot for at least 20 minutes. Don't expect to get anywhere, but follow qualified guidance. And if you don't have that, at least do a guided meditation to start getting into the habit. What a guided meditation is eventually going to do is teach you how to do it, right? right? So it's crutches. Eventually, you want to toss the crutches. You want to do this on your own. So guided meditation can lead you to the experiences that are available to you, um, but just don't get attached to the guide, mm. right? value and respect and appreciate the guide, but just don't get attached to the guide because there's a lot of guides and your ego doesn't want you to go all the way because if you go all the way, that's the end of ego. So the ego can't let you go all the way. Yeah. In other words, the ego can't survive the trip to the truth. <laughs> so that's yeah. why it's such a monumental task. You've heard me say it's the single greatest challenge anyone in history has ever faced. Yeah. Right. Um, transcending ego. So, yeah, practical steps, begin, drop your expectations. There's a lot of tips and advice that we'll give in our program, um, in our platform. We've got a lot of guided meditations in yeah. there. Um, we do our weekly community calls. There's a lot in there. There's a spirituality mastermind in our program you know about. I'll host that. And some people are just, you know, free-flowing with questions that are like this. Yeah. So we, we unpack that, go deeper, and give some step-by-step -step guidance of where you can begin, how to start, how to get the most out of it. And also, I personally make recommendations that we don't have within our organization. If you want to go to the top of the ladder, I'm not that. So here's what I'm familiar with. Check it out yourself. You know, here's where love you that. could go. I love that. Now, a uh, quick question with the 20 minutes. Yeah. Why is there any reason behind why it's not effective? Yeah. It's less um, than 20 minutes. It is effective. It's just, it's just weak. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? There's a way to put it. So what if you work out for three minutes every day? Yeah. I mean, it's effective, but it's, I mean, as long as you're going to do it, you might as well do it. I mean, if you're doing a cardio workout for three minutes, just vigorous workout, and maybe it's straight push-ups for three minutes, right? You're going to get a great workout, right? but that's a hard way to go. And it's all just all at once, right? Space it out, do it right, do it the right way. You're going to get a better result. Yeah. And 20 minutes shouldn't be too much to ask. All right. If you really can't do 20 minutes, then fine. Start with 10. Get into the habit. But even a, a seasoned meditator oftentimes uh, will have a lot of distractions in the mind and body for the first 5 or 10, sometimes 15 minutes of their meditation. And a lot of people don't survive that stage. They just say, oh, it's not working, and they quit. But after a certain point where things start to settle and get relaxed, it might be 20 minutes in before it actually begins. And when it begins... It's a, it's a state that you really enjoy. That there's yeah. a joy there. Yeah. And there's a deep peace there. Uh, Yogananda says that deep peace that you experience in your meditation is the soul. That's kind of cool. That's reassuring that I can That's have cool. this direct confirmation of what I already believe, but now I can have direct confirmation with direct perception. Right? Mm. I'm experiencing it. I'm aware of the experience. And it is really peaceful. And so once you've tasted that, once you've had that in a lengthy amount of time, you'll have meditations where you don't want to come out after 45 minutes to an hour. You're just, and now you see my limits. I, I don't think I've ever meditated for two hours straight, right? So I'm, I'm still a novice, yeah, right? And, and most of us are, right? There's the experts in the world and the masses, the 99.9% .9 of the rest of the population still novices. But yeah, you get to these states where it's just so blissful. Your body is not distracting you, right? There's no pain anywhere. In fact, for me, I've had experiences where I just feel like my body is way up there and I'm just in this space, and it's like up there, out there, it's like inner space. Again, kingdom of heaven within, and there's this deep peace in there. Why go out, right? Well, because you got to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What time is it? <laughs> so it's the habit of meditation that really brings the benefit. So don't expect to get somewhere. Just set your timer if you need one for 20 minutes. Or if you're doing a guided meditation, a lot of them are 20 to 30 minutes. By the time it's done, you're done. Right. It make the habit mm. out of it and you'll start waking up into realizing these truths that are self evident. They're called living truths. Right. The soul is a living truth. The peace and the love and the joy associated with it is a living truth, meaning it's already there. Are you aware of it? Right? Or are mm. you off on the surface somewhere believing you're separate from it? And in that belief and in that identity, wanting it. Right? The identity can't get there because you're already there. What you can do is see the identity and let go of the identity. Yeah. So meditation gives us that opportunity. Jeez. Well, I love that. Well, and you, you put some good perspective to it because I, you know, I used to have, I, to be honest, I haven't meditated consistently in a while. But when I was doing it, I did feel that peace. And as I, I've been frustrated recently because I don't think I've made that time or space mm -hmm. to do it effectively. Mm -hmm. Like it's been always very rushed. I've got to go to work and it's like five, 10 minutes away. Right. And I don't wake up early enough to do it. And so that gives some good, good tips for that. And I'm sure for anyone who's watching, I think we can all relate to this in some, some way or another, mm -hmm. whether we've tried it or not, but well, good. Well, that honestly was so perfect, Gil. Thank you so much 
for giving us some context to it, giving us some background to it, helping to, helping us understand meditation a little more. Yeah, you're welcome. And for those of you that might be watching, um, if I've messed up a few bits and pieces, again, I'm not the expert on this. I'm passionate about it. I love the subject. So with all due respect to your guru and everybody's guru out there, um, this is for those that don't know as an introduction that, you know, what, what what's possible, what, what can happen in there. And um, yeah, thanks for paying attention. And if you're interested in more, uh, come into our uh, AchieveToday.com and fill out that application for a free consultation. Yeah, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have a great consultation with you. We'll contrast where you're at now with where you want to be, and if we can see that we can help you get there a lot faster, obviously we want to work with you. And if we can't, then you know we can at least give you some good tips. For sure. Well, thank you, Gail. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>